0: Hello and welcome to the Planet Optimists. My name is Daniel Loki, and as always, I'm joined by the wonderful and handsome Mr. David Woodford Esquire. I feel only appropriate to address you with your full title as you did with me in your wonderful wedding invitation that I got in the post last week with a wonderful wax seal that was chosen by your fiancé.
1: Hello everyone and thank you Daniel for that glowing reference, glowing intro and you're extremely welcome.
0: Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's pre-earnings season at the moment so um, it's a very busy part of the quarter for me it's it's always the start of the quarter that's that's the busiest so it should die down in a, in a few weeks or so but you know it's it's what I it's what i enjoy it's what it's what really interests me um sort of getting all this analysis done and seeing how right i am with the actual uh earnings reports honestly but how about yourself
1: no no all good i'm uh i'm coming to the last four days of working for my current company, LUVC, I'll be joining a new firm next Monday. I won't say yet who they are. But you will, if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll see uh, where I'm going on LinkedIn or when we record our podcast next week. So so for, for listeners, we don't record our podcast immediately preceding its release, we actually record our podcast on a Monday, it goes out on the Friday. So uh, you will, when I speak to you next, Daniel, uh, hear how the job's going. But uh, I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted. And uh, and I suppose you've also given me a a very good recommendation, which ties in very well timing-wise with my new job, which is uh, a book recommendation, or for me, an audiobook I listen to, at least an audiobook a week. Uh, And it's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And I'm sure some of our listeners would have have listened to it or read it. Uh, But I'm very looking forward to getting stuck in over the next couple of days absolutely i mean as i as i said before we before we jumped on and, and hit record
0: it's it's a book that i will read uh at least at least once every year um i try to aim for, for two uh, twice twice every year um sort of semi-annually um i'll read it but it's completely informed my approach to my work ethic um it's something that i am mindful of if you know every single day whenever i'm i'm about to sit down to do work whether it's professionally um or personally it's, it's such such a good book such an influential book on, on you know my approach to to life and work and i think i, I highly recommend everyone to read it uh Cal Newport is a fantastic author his um he's got two other books um this, this sounds like a shill, but um promise we're not sponsored or well not yet anyway <clears throat> um digital minimalism and so good they can't ignore you um both two very good books
1: by him also i always struggle with procrastination i think procrastination's the thief of ambition to kind of butcher an oscar wilde quote i I do struggle to focus for for long periods of time
0: Mm, yeah absolutely and this book will completely well it it will give you the methods to to navigate that and i think half the problem of procrastination is firstly knowing that you're doing but doing it but also at what goes on underneath the, the hood, really, you know, why is it that you're procrastinating? What are the effects of that? And I think once you're aware of that, it's a lot easier to not procrastinate um, because you, because you are aware of the fallout, you're under, aware of what's happening and potentially how you can sort of get in a, in a sort of stuck loop or a trap of, you know, continuously procrastinating because it is a slippery, slippery hill.
1: It is. And for me, it's, it's Wikipedia. It, that is my, vice that's my procrastination go-to and i did <laughs> it sounds ridiculous i did do a, a count up i went on my internet history and added up and it's it's about 30 different articles a day i mean i'll I be honest review. there there are worse
0: there are worse things to procrastinate on do
1: you know what it, it leaves on wikipedia entirely right entirely right the, the internet is a deep and dark place but it does leave me extremely well versed for a pub quiz. You know what? I was just about to say that. Imagine how good you would be at pub quizzes. Not bad. I came second in one recently in St. Albans.
0: And I can tell you another one where you came second in recently. I know. Well, you and
1: I did. Well, a recently. Pub that quiz. was, it was, it was in, back in May, in, I think. <laughs> in May. Yes, that, that, day, that day. So I've, I've never won a pub quiz, but I've been placed an annoying number of times i've i've won the uh i've won a pub
0: quiz in Brewdog milton Keynes once did you really yeah when we were at uni we um yeah we went down there did the pub quiz um got a free was it like a 150 pound bar tab or whatever which we uh oh decent duly used uh yeah no it was it was fantastic night and i love i love pub quizzes like absolutely like to to do a pub quiz i don't I don't care about the winning. I just I genuinely enjoy. I mean, of course, I want to win, but I genuinely enjoy just doing them and taking part. It's, it's so fun.
1: I, I love them. When I worked at Renault, I used to do an office quiz every Friday at four o'clock. And it's mm. kind of obviously Friday afternoon, works dying down here with four o'clock. Everyone would make a cup of tea or do whatever. Yeah. And I do my pub quiz. Um, and I did that for about two years i'd love I mean, we should host a pub quiz we should approach a pub and say listen we will do it for you that would be that would be great i, I, think, we, I think we I think we have to do
0: that and i think as well doing pub quizzes i think you learn things about friends and or colleagues that you wouldn't ordinarily learn about them in conversation because like, you, you hear you get all these like weird nuggets of general knowledge and you're like, well, how the hell do you know that? And then they yeah. tell you and it's like this completely different new story.
1: I think it is such a good way to break the ice. I had a weird experience in the Red House pub quiz in Crossley Green, though, once and it was the first round. And I don't know if this is the same in most pub quizzes, but I always find it tends to be is the first round is the picture round. First round, it's just eight photos of celebrities or famous people and you've got to point them out. And by a really weird coincidence, the one of the people was the lady I was house sitting for at the time it was an, uh, an actress. No way. Yeah. And I went, Oh, it's, it's Wendy. And he was like, how, how do you know that? I was like, cause I'm literally <laughs> staying in her house to, right now. I was dog dog looking after her dogs, but um, we should definitely try and get a, a pub quiz gig. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to do that.
1: So yeah, we'll Daniel, that. what do you have for me this week?
0: Well, I'm actually going to introduce this topic by telling you my most controversial belief. It's not this whole Watford should be part of London thing, is it? It's not that. I think that Keynes may have been right about a few things. Um, I'm yet to read the general indeed i'm about i'm yet to read the general theory uh, though i have been introduced to many concepts uh, through my under and postgraduate degrees um surrounding the ideas uh, but while studying him in parallel to friedman um, i do believe friedman to be by far the greatest the greater economists uh just compare the positive impact that thatcher had relative to say well i mean the entire range of post-war consensus premierships since atlee in 1945 um i think only one premiership to get a good balance of Keynes since that year was the Cameron Osborne administration but one of the ideas that Keynes had and it's not discussed much but i think about it very often whenever i'm about to invest um is the idea that stock market is a beauty contest have you ever heard of this idea
1: i haven't i mean the market can be beautiful um, for well, me it was today but uh I think the last
0: day it was okay <laughs> the market hasn't been very nice for a while no um hopefully in a in a years or so time we can um change that tune but um are you
1: aware of what Buffett does when he wakes up and the market's good or the market's basically level the market's bad are you familiar with this is this a little ritual I feel like I do but I can't remember what it is he he bases the um, size of his breakfast on and I can't remember what chain it might be Wendy's or something like that but when he's driving to his office you know he's lived in the same house since like 1955 right drives a three year old Honda or Lexus or Toyota or whatever it is, and he'll drive to the same restaurant every morning on drive-through. And uh, I think if the market's down, he'll just get like a, a plain bagel. If it's level, then he'll get like a sausage and egg McMuffin kind of thing. And then if it's, if it's up, he'll get a double. And I, I I sort of jump on this. I base how, how big my lunch is going to be based on whether I'm up level or down. And it's quite I a nice. I think I'm going to have to start doing this. It's the sort of nice way to treat yourself by um well eating up your profits by spending it on lunch
0: well yeah oh i, I love that i think it's i think it's great um mm. <laughs> well i don't know what Keynes did when um when the market was was up but i know that he had this um interesting take on the stock market where um he likened it to back when in newspapers uh, there was a section where there'd be like a mock beauty contest um so the newspaper would print pictures of six or so people um, and readers had to write in and predict who would come in what position. Uh, so the thing is, you're not actually rating based on who you think is the most attractive, but rather who you think others think is the most attractive. It's the um, so same with investing to an extent. Um, <clears throat> people invest in stocks, at least partly, uh, based on what they think other people will value the stock. I mean, hey, that's essentially what my, <clears throat> what my job is, um, to provide this insight. So I have this little theory um, and it's completely untested. And there's no statistical backing, though. I would love to update you in a future episode if and when I do get round to it. Uh, but this theory of mine basically stipulates that there is an alpha advantage to investing in ESG stocks. Uh, these are returns that are independent of you know, the wider market. Um, and this is because investors think other investors will view these as favorable investments, right? Um, you're doing something good, which, you, you know, It's good. Um, Not even Nietzsche could argue against this with his interesting, albeit in my eyes, highly accurate, um, if you ever read Beyond Good and Evil uh, views.
1: Okay, well, then I guess this is my 60 second challenge to you today. Can you define ESG?
0: That I can, David. Uh, That I can. Count me in. Okie
1: dokie. Three,
0: two, one, go. So ESG is one thing that's an amalgamation of three others. Um, environmental, social, and governments. Uh, That's what it stands for. Um, I think the first is pretty self-explanatory. And of course, what we will be diving into most this episode, Um, social is the societal impact that the company has. So for example, British American Tobacco, or one of my favorite stocks, um, as my girlfriend knows, because I got very drunk on our third day and went into great detail um, about this stock to her, uh, Diageo. Um, Both have pretty low social scores because cigarettes and alcohol aren't exactly the best things for society, Um, though through taxation, they do have a pretty significant stimulating effect on the economy without any government intervention. But moving on to governments, uh, this is basically means what the top dogs are doing. You know, are they taking bribes? Are they taking huge pay rises? Are they mismanaging dividend payments? Uh, That sort of thing. So to have a good ESG score is to score well on both environmental, social and government impact.
1: Two seconds left. Oh, I did that a little bit on the end as well. Oh, I took a risk. You did, you did. But uh, concise as ever. So you could have a company then that ranks highly on ESG, but but, but that's because they're good for societal issues and they have strong governance, even if they're dumping toxic waste into the ocean and creating a mutant fish.
0: A bit like that Simpsons episode with the fish with three eyes. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Something I found rather interesting in my research uh, for this episode is that companies will usually have... A low ESG score because of the S and G metrics, um, rather than the environmental.
1: We, what well, we like to celebrate, business and climate action. So, um, I will ask you for a few companies with low environmental scores. Uh, let's start first, though, with those that are having a positive impact on the planet.
0: So, some that I um, noticed were amongst the top ranks are Allstead, um, uh, Hanson Holdings, Nesty, uh, Cisco, and Autodesk um as some of the top rated um interesting that a lot of the companies are from scandinavia we will include a link to the list in the show
1: docs for you to look over however well i think we we touched on that in our first episode didn't we how the norwegians are leading the way with uh, green energy production and uh, and green crypto and um, but what are some of the bad ones uh
0: so the first one is actually a stock that i've been following for a while uh, though i've never invested in it but That's for a bunch of different factors. Um, But the first is Duke Energy and no specific order to this, may I just add. Um, But I like this stock because when I was doing my finance MSC, uh, we had some coursework. We had to do some coding and financial analysis on a specific company. Um, But we could choose any company from a list of I know about 500 or so. Um, And I chose Duke because their tickle ticker symbol is duck. And I read it as well, D-U-K and I read it
1: as duck. So um, anyway, they're on there duck is not good for the ducks it seems
0: unfortunately not um oil companies such as bp aren't in vogue at the moment though their performance in the equity market has been stellar uh, for obvious reasons you don't need to be a financial analyst to know that uh chesapeake energy uh, Transocean limited archer daniels midland aes uh, first energy metals uh, to name a few uh sort of some of the the worst ones at the school and um, low on environmental score, And interestingly enough, they're pretty much mainly American companies.
1: Uh, Duke is, is also American. So so what are some positives of ESG investing? Uh, I think I speak for both of us when I say that our political and economic philosophy is one of uh, conservation, but aiming to constantly update our views and approaches. For instance, we know oil is bad and we shouldn't be conserving our use of it, but Rather innovating and finding a cleaner way of producing. So, surely this plays into it.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I mean, we're very Hegelian in that respect. Uh, we both know how the economy should and does work, uh, but we're very much focused on how to streamline the productivity and make systems more efficient. Uh, one of the ways this can occur for businesses uh, through
1: SG initiatives. Rather than being a hindrance or businesses having to circumnavigate re- regulation, can it actually be a competitive advantage? In the context
0: of Ricardian economics, yes, uh, ESG quality can actually help a company develop a competitive advantage which leads to future outperformance and greater returns, and not just by the company to shareholders, but society as a whole. Uh, This is really something I've been thinking about lately, um, how if every company was to go into public ownership, where does this initiative or desire to become better or innovate come from? I mean, nowhere, it stagnates. Um, a bit like that one economy in 1991, although we weren't alive. What a great
1: Christmas present that was. <laughs> a good Christmas present indeed. Are there any examples of companies developing a competitive advantage as a result of ESG? Uh,
0: Coca-Cola, for one. We, sp- we spoke of Warren Buffett earlier. Um, this is, if not his favourite, one of um, his favourite stocks. Um, but a report by, an- interesting enough, one that I na- analyse at work um but a report by the University of Oxford uh, found that through developing ESG schemes uh, the company reduced their water production by 20 percent over the past decade or so um m which I believe has replaced Waitrose for you as your star of choice um it hasn't they've introduced well Waitrose will um reclaim its rightful spot at some point um <laughs> they introduced a plan a initiative uh, to source responsibly and limit waste, uh, which has led to savings of $200 million annually. Uh, But ESG initiatives can lead to both top and bottom line growth. Uh, For example, uh, consumers nowadays are so much more focused on quality over quantity. I see this in my own analysis of work with beer and spirits. Uh, Consumers are happy to pay more for a product that they view as high quality and are beginning to put their money where their mouth is and buy green and environmentally as well, even if it does command a higher price point, which is pretty interesting. Uh, especially given the current inflationary environment yeah well I, well I agree i agree what What about in terms of returns though uh this is where our discussion can get a bit blurred because you know remember esg is made up of three components uh see so and you can read this in benjamin graham's intelligent investor uh basically the bible of growth investing um but companies with a good to read that i, mean, I feel terrible you know for what? Not having read it you know what i've so i on the tube i will read um uh, during my commute. And, you know, so three days in the office, um I was reading quite a lot. And to get through this book has been a challenge. I don't think I've read a book as hard. I mean, it's not a hard book, it's just very detailed. But I haven't struggled with a book since reading Wealth of
1: Nations. Oh, really? See, I, yeah. I obviously, I've only dipped into uh, Wealth of Nations. I once, and I was about 17, read On the Origin of Species and the Voyage Oof. of the Beagle by Darwin. Oh my God. The reason I read it is because I felt like it was the most important book ever written you know, in ironically, probably out yeah. there with the Bible, but, um, <laughs> but I, I kind of had, felt an obligation to read it, but oh, it took me months.
0: Yeah, no, I remember when I, uh, started my, f- well, my PPU degree. Um, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I think I've managed to get like read ten pages and that's it. I've got so many scrawlings and scribblings over like trying to understand what he's trying to say. And I mean, the, the, essentially, it's like government's bad, but we need it. Yeah, it's pretty much his his core thesis. But um, oh, so such a difficult read. I think I think philosophers do that. Like, at speak at speaking. As a self-proclaimed philosopher myself, um, I think we like to overcomplicate issues so that we sound smarter. Uh, in Benjamin Graham's *Intelligent Investor*, um, he he does mention how companies with good governance score um, will likely be better managed, um, and so they will deliver better returns. Um, but focusing specifically on the environmental aspect, um, I guess it you know it goes back to to what we just discussed above earlier.
1: So surely, firms that incorporate ESG, such as Coca-Cola, with their aforementioned water saving will be able to save costs and this adds to the bottom line growth what about the top line growth well take Brudog, uh, for example
0: um they're introducing massive environmental changes to their business uh, though i guess their governance is a bit uh controversial um i won't say any more because i don't want james watt to write a book and or linkedin post about me uh, but yes top line growth uh too um Brewdog have reported about a 10 million increase in turnover um, and about 30% or so year-on-year volume increases, which may I add is greater than the overall beer sector as a whole for the same time frame. But if you seem to be acting environmentally friendly, uh, you do have the opportunity to steal customers from competitors who aren't uh, because, you know, as I said, co- consumers are beginning to value this now. Um, according to Morningstar, uh, the financial news website, not the socialist newspaper, <laughs> um, I know which one I'd be going to for my economic and financial news. Um, over a 10 year period, about 60% of sustainable funds outperformed their average traditional peers.
1: So I suppose most of these funds are, are still around as, as ESG is naturally geared to longevity.
0: Absolutely. Um, 77% of these funds still exist today, uh, while over half of the traditional funds uh, don't.
1: Well, wow. So another benefit of ESG investing higher expected returns, higher, greater longevity, as well as greater risk management from a more robust governance structure. So so it lends itself to stronger long-term gains. Uh, are you a growth or a value investor?
0: Um, I'm I'm mainly a growth investor. Um, you know, Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett, sort of style of investing. While I have a degree in finance and wrote a dissertation on how to beat the market, which, by the way, I proved, Um, I think trying to beat the market long-term is just a very exhaustive and time-intensive thing to do. Uh, so you can either do it well full time or not uh, so i prefer growth but i do like to look into value investing as a bit of a side project or a little research task for myself because i do enjoy the analysis uh, how about yourself is it more okay investing and what i suggest is we do have our market discussions quite regularly
1: we do and i'm, I'm very much a passive investor i mean i'm a great saver there's this movement called FIRE, and I don't know whether you come across it. It's, oh, is uh, it
0: financial independence, retire early?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm minded to think, actually, that the traditional FIRE definition is saving 75% of your income. But I'm, I've always been 50-50. You, yeah. you save half of it, live on the rest. Um, yeah. But most of mine goes into index funds. I don't, yeah. I'm it's not a, a very active investor. And, and, and it's almost all exclusively either in uh FTSE global or cap or uh s p which actually there's a fair amount of overlap in anyway
0: yeah to be fair to be fair there is yeah um speaking of uh sort of the split fifth I mean I'm, I'm the same 50 50 um 50 mm. you know, of my my salary will go into um into an ETF of some or ETFs of some description and I've got into REITs lately so it's quite nice knowing that Jeff Bezos is paying me rent but um outside of that um i think in the richest man in babylon um another book that i believe i recommended
1: to you um great book think, absolutely great book
0: do they do they say 10 or 20 percent of your salary
1: into no your yes it, it no it's 10 it's a 10 which yes. i i read and thought that's a tiny amount i know but actually you know, I I, it's all right
0: if you're in your 20s or whatever but
1: well we're on our 20s well like early 20s I mean, I've, my rules ever since I, ever since I started working was was stick it half in. And, and, you know, I, I, Mm. I, yeah, but I mean, it
0: it makes more because it will grow long-term and, you know, it will compound or whatever. Investing 10% of your salary at 20 is a lot, will uh, allow you to achieve fire a
1: lot easier than if you start at 40 is what I was trying to get at. No, no, no. Well, I, I agree with that. But I think it's, it's an unambitious target, I think realistically if you live at home you can you can save way more than 10 percent of your income I, you know and i I've as i do <laughs> as you do yeah but i you know i don't but no. I, I still manage to, to hit the figure
0: yeah well there we go um oh, okay um so my question to you uh david uh comes to how you invest uh, we've discussed this before uh, that we'd like to get a green portfolio going um and we'll discuss this more at the end but how environmentally conscious are you when it comes to investing? Um, And I'll frame this for you in a specific way, because I don't think that an environmentally conscious investor has to invest solely in companies that are high on ESG. Um, It can certainly be a factor, uh, but it shouldn't be the biggest. Um, You know, I, for example, uh, own shares in BP.
1: It's not something I've actively aligned myself to. Mm -hmm. And that I hold my hands up and admit that that's an error. And it's something that I will look to, uh, amend in the future. Because there it are can... ESG funds. There are. Yeah. Um, because I'm fairly risk averse or have historically been quite risk averse, i.e. I'm minded to invest in things like watches or property or wine. index funds or wine. Yep. Wine. Absolutely. Um, I'm very cautious of losing money as as everyone is when they're investing but but really i've looked into kind of longer term returns as opposed to how green they are now you mm. can do both that's the whole point of esg investing but yes. when we, we have you know we've had several discussions about setting up our own little portfolio together the planet yeah. optimist portfolio we won't brand it as that <laughs> but, um but then uh, that will call two birds with one stone because we'll be aligning both of our portfolios collectively into a, a greener way of doing things. Exactly. And I think
0: you, you have to be sensible with this. I mean, if you're investing, then you can assume that you're putting toward, you know, putting forward a, a not insignificant to you amount of money into essentially the ether, because we don't see the stock market. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very big purchase. I mean, that's what it is. It's a purchase, isn't it? Yeah. Um, your, uh, purchase of a company um so you have you have to be sensible with it you know it, it's it's your livelihood at the end of the day and i think it's a far more pragmatic approach to you know not for example not buy from companies that are, that are low in esg or any component of the esg that that you feel particularly um taken by you know not to buy from them and not you know to not contribute to their um uh, to the, to their growth as a result of that rather than you know you can still invest in that and i mean if you invest in a company you you do actually get a voice in how the companies run
1: you absolutely do and but to come back to the point that you mentioned earlier you mentioned that you have shares in bp and mm. there's a probably a very high likelihood that i do are they part of the FTSE global all cap they are indeed part of the FTSE. well there we are i bought two um, shares in bp but actually
0: <laughs> yes
1: Delighted. And British
0: American Tobacco actually. Come to think of it, <laughs> I right,
1: so, right, so every almost every stock that we mention this <laughs> this episode, we both end shares in. We yeah. haven't pl- we haven't put them in here to plug our shares that we have um, <laughs> that we have stakes in just to add. But <laughs> but to take BP, obviously they are a huge uh, emitter, massive, absolutely vast. Yeah. But they are realigning their business model. Uh, I mean BP Pulse, for example, the electric charging company, one of the biggest electric charging companies in the UK. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Naturally, the, the way in which they do business had to change and it is changing.
0: Mm. Yeah, one of, if not the first thing you're taught in finance when it comes to investing, mm-hmm. um, is to diversify. Uh, mm-hmm. Diversification is the key. Uh, 1952 was a very important year because this is when the Markowitz paper was published and gave name to the Markovitz portfolio. Um, the, it's portfolio. Also the, year the
1: Queen ascended the throne absolutely it was yeah a very good year a very a good memory year. memory a blessing
0: um but you know markovitz portfolio um <clears throat> is a portfolio of reasonably diverse um and long-term positively performing stocks um, there's a little bit more to, to that there's you know efficient frontier analysis and sharp ratio metrics but I won't bore you with that what you should be taking away from this is that it's important di- to diversify your portfolio um, but it's also important to first diversify your reasons for investing in particular stocks. Um, you know, for example, if you invest solely in a company because it has a high ESG, then it's probably it could be a poor decision, um, at least for a long-term portfolio. Uh, if you want to chuck a hundred of quid, a couple, a couple of hundred quid each month into this stock portfolio, then you know, great, see where it goes. But don't make it your strategy. Uh, there are so many other things to consider. Uh, it's unfortunate that you have you know the likes of bp polluting the gulf and spilling oil Um, but you know what cash flows margin percentages earnings per shares consensus estimates um, they're all still incredibly important Uh, so do be mindful of the companies that you're in that you're choosing to invest in Um, of course don't make it the only thing that you consider Uh, this is why i love equity research so much Uh, there is both a quantitative and qualitative approach to it Uh, do you want to invest in a company that? okay um might not be the most environmentally friendly company but you get a seven to eight year seven to eight percent year on year return um as it has a proven business plan track record and consistently operates at a healthy margin um or do you want to invest in a company that promises to undo every single negative greenhouse gas impact on the ozone layer um only to discover they don't have a track record they've been posting net losses for the past five years and have no substantial business plan. Um,
1: As I said, you've got to be sensible about this sort of thing. It is your livelihood. You do. uh, But at the same time, it's it's voting with your feet. And if people sell the shares they have in polluters who are very slow to, to changing, then actually the share price is going to go down and they become an unattractive investment.
0: Without doubt. Um, It's a smart way of investing, but it, shouldn't be the only way to invest uh, you should consider other things you know do your mm. research you have to consider whether you're investing or using your money to vote um because if you have a lot of capital you can have an influence as you as you just mentioned um if you're investing to show your support be part of something and maybe make a bit of money from it then by all means do it but i think uh this wraps up things very nicely for this week absolutely um it's been a longer one but a very interesting one uh, i think our next finance or economics focused episode is going to be a very long one as well but i'm i'm very excited for it um and, and it's been one that we've been planning for a very long time
1: absolutely very excited be sure to like subscribe and promote the good word of green causes and until next week say goodbye daniel bye daniel goodbye